for me, it's very important that um, you know that, that we stick to a scale that we can detail. Uh, so when it when um, at a human scale and at a human interactive level, it's something that's still amazing, and it's not something that's amazing only from a distance. Episode one hundred and forty nine. This is the business of architecture. Welcome back, Architect Nation. This is the show where you'll discover tips, strategies, and secrets for running a profitable and impactful architecture practice. If you aren't already on the Business of Architecture email list, you're missing out on the valuable free practice building resources I share only via email. Getting on the list is simple. Visit businessofarchitecture.com and click the green Join Today button. I am your host, Enoch Sears. To get more profit or efficiency in your firm, check out this business tip from Peter Drucker. What's measured improves. Now, I found this to be so true, and as a firm owner, you must be tracking your financial key performance indicators. One of the easiest ways to do this is with a software application like ArchiOffice. Get a live walkthrough of the software by visiting ArchiOffice.com demo, and a big thank you to ArchiOffice for supporting this show. Hello, Architect Nation, and welcome back to this episode of the Business of Architecture UK edition. In this episode, you will hear from Ryan Willers. He sits down with UK-based architect Alex Michaelis of Michaelis Boyd Architects. Here's the show. Welcome to the Business of Architecture and the UK edition. Here with me today have Alex Michaelis, who set up London-based architecture practice Michaelis Boyd um, Associates with Tim Boyd in 1995, having previously worked with Richard Rogers, Miller Partners and Wickham Associates. Um, the studio is known for its elegance, refinement and sophisticated high-end design in the private, residential and hospitality sectors. Uh, and has always been an important sustainability and environmental responsibility that underlines all of the work. Notable projects, the Groucho Club, which has been recently completed, Soho Farmhouse, um, and current projects including Williamsburg Hotel in New York and the Loft-style apartments in Battersea Power Station. Um, Michaelis Boyd Studios also recently launched their first furniture collection um, and it's a great pleasure to be here and welcome to, the, welcome to the show. So I'd just like to begin really just telling us how, how you set up the practice, what was the story making the leap from kind of working at, uh, in larger corporate firms to braving it and mm. going it alone? And um, it was enforced. So it was recession, uh, right. 91. Uh, I was working for Julian Wickham at the time, um, and he had about 20 people. And in, in those days, you could get rid of people much easier than you can now. So he walked in one morning and said, that's it. Job's finished. I haven't got any more work. You will have to go. Um, so the next week, I uh, was sitting on the edge of my bed um, uh, with a little tiny A2 drawing board, doing a little garden shed for someone who'd, uh, who'd asked for it a while ago. Um, and... So it was a very steep learning curve, but mm. I had to basically go on my own. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I would have probably stayed in the safety of a, a firm otherwise. Um, um, but, uh, you know, we, the first job I did was a terrace for a film director. We took a roof off and put a, a grass uh, planted roof on uh, in Goldbourne Road. Absolutely terrifying. Uh, took this roof on. Suddenly this lorry arrived and dumped literally tons of earth on this building that was just shook. And I was across the road just pretending I had nothing to do with the project. Um, uh, the first house project I did, I didn't really go for planning, and didn't go for building regs, was sort of, wasn't really aware of how the whole thing worked and was you know, caught in planning wrangles and building regs wrangles, but you know, steep learning curve again. So that's how it started. And then a few years after work, doing a few projects, um, I actually worked with someone called Hester Gray, who was Rose Gray's uh, daughter from the River mm. Cafe for 
uh, two years, and then she moved to Wales, and then that, Tim was renting a space in a roof I'd converted to, you know, put, put in a, to work from. And we did a couple of separate, separate projects, and then we did a couple of joint projects, and then we sort of uh, said, well, this is crazy, let's just set up a, set up a company properly. Um, and uh, we've been going ever since. So, and I, yeah, so it's been a word of mouth, you know, little, little projects, and then someone says, oh, you've heard these two young guys who've, you know, set up, and they did this house or this, this restaurant. And we got, we, we were lucky. We did Sarah House, um, the bar, as one of the early projects, Morrow the restaurant. As, uh, so we got some really nice little projects mm. that, uh, you know, got, a, got more interest than, than if we'd been doing just extensions and everything. Yeah. Uh, so that, that uh, you know, you need a little, little, little bit of luck as well. Yeah. And th those early projects, how were you, how were you finding them? Were they kind of just through I mean, it was friends all and friends and words of mouth. So the person who was running the committee on Soho House uh, said to Nick, the owner, who's now a friend, um, you know, he, he was doing it himself and just putting old furniture in, a, in, in, a, in Dean Street. And she said, look, you need something a little bit more edgy. So let's get, can we get a designer in, you know, just to have a look at it? And she rang me and said, come and have a chat. And he said, okay, you can do the bar room uh, and here's your budget. And it was 35,000 pounds. So. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, and we did a very modern contemporary bar that was a good, you know, counterpoint to the rest of it. And then, you know, from there we did Babington House and we, you know, we've, we've just done half the farmhouse. You know, he's, he's got in-house design now as well. So it's a, you know, joint effort. But we've been working with it for 20 years. So that was a friend who, you know, actually, um, you know, probably needs to take out to dinner more often because that was a very big introduction for us. Um, and then Morrow was through Hester, who then left uh, to live in Wales. But she obviously River Cafe, two River Cafe chefs setting up on their own, and so we know uh, that was. So it's all it's all networks and connections, and, mm. and actually, you know, architecture. That, honestly, there are lots of architects and young architects, and who I'm sure are a lot better than we are. But um, you have to be able to be. About, it's about people as well, and, yeah. and making people feel comfortable and exciting them and. Uh, having making a connection with them, uh, and I think that's something that's not often taught. So that, yeah. again, that was something I had to sort of learn as well. Uh, and was that something around. that you found it was quite natural to you? And it was yeah, I mean, I think I really love it. So and I love people, and for me, half the job is people. Yeah. And, and you know, um, you know, a lot of them end up being friends, and um, uh, you know, very rarely have we had any fallouts. But it's about understanding them, what they want, talking. Uh, humanly with them rather than architecturally with them yes. um, and and not being too precious about what the final layer looks like so that you know, we should I mean you've got, to, you've got to get everything else right so it would be at a restaurant a club a hotel a house you know the flow light form mm. you know I think we're very good at that and keeping it very simple and understanding mm. the brief and then the last layer saying I think early on actually I'm, I'm telling you a lie we wanted it all to be porcelain-esque and beautiful and minimal and then you know expression of our architecture now it's like really matter you know if it's this is about you and this is what you feel comfortable in and we've done the bit that makes it all work for how you want to walk around and live in the house and now you know we'll tell you if we think it's a completely bad idea but yeah you know you need to you know express yourself wow. yeah yeah. And that's so, quite interesting because that's quite you know, as you say yeah. it's not something that's often taught mm. in architectural education yeah, is yeah. This, and you know we're kind of uh, well, fees is the other thing that's not taught. Yes, that's a very yeah. steep learning curve. Well, there's, there's kind of there's kind of no business preparation whatsoever, no, no. and you know, mm. in education where you know you kind of you just assume mm. the project lands on your floor, yeah. and then you don't have to consult mm. with a client or anything, mm. and then you just you run yeah. design design like mm. that. And so, how did you pick up these business skills, and how did you refine your kind of client handling skills? Um, 
I mean, it's, it, it, it just, it's just something you, you have to learn. I mean, the business skills is interesting because the first few projects you do, you do, you know, um, if you take houses, existing houses, which is a lot of our work uh, as one example, um, you know, when someone tells you what they want to do, there are probably one or two things you, you can really do with a house mm. that will really make it work. But when you start, you explore each and every different type of house uh, in different streets, and you will do 10 or 15 options that you will think that might work. You know? And it's only experience that will tell you that they don't. So the good news is when you're on your own, or maybe only one or two people, and you're exploring all these options and taking a long time to get to the point where you're ready to uh, take it onto tender and, and develop it, um, you can waste money. You can, it's, your, it's your time, it's your hours, it's how you live. So if you, know, if you don't make very much money, then that's fine. If you have a bigger practice, like we do now, and everything, everything has to be checked and double-checked that we're not losing on any stage on any project yeah. because we have to pay 65 people, it's a different game. And the tax things and you know, terrifying world that we live in, you know, sort of end up with a bean at the end of it. Um, but when you start, you know, that doesn't matter. You know, I, I could, on, when I was on my, on my own, I could spend weeks and days on a project making nothing on it, you know, or just enough to, you know, have a few, a few meals and sandwiches and pay the bills, but not having, you know, working at home in a roof space, so, yeah. um, in a rented flat at the time. So it's, you know, that, that was fine. Uh, and so that, does it make sense? Or yeah, so yeah, you, yeah. You, you know, a, while you're learning, as long as, as, as long as you're not spending too much money, it's, it's okay. And the fee thing as well is, um, you know, loosely based on the percentages in the old days and people sort of accepted that and it sort of made sense um, except for on smaller projects you'd find you know a small extension that was £20,000 would take the same amount of time and effort as something that was in those days let's say two, three hundred thousand pounds so you you would probably lose money on the smaller projects generally and make money on the bigger projects um, and then you do a few terrible things. So you, you know, some people, you really want a job. You know, so house, I don't think we've ever made money on any so house project. Uh, yeah. You know, but you know, it was always a deal with him. We knew it was a very good thing. So you do a deal, and he'd say, "I'm never going to change my mind." He'd then change his mind twenty times, and you know, you'd refine it, and it would change, and everything. But it would still be worth it, even even if uh, you know. Because the quality didn't. of the work is. It's, it's the quality. It's also you know some some of these things. They're little trees and big trees. So um, you know, Sarah House is a very big tree. If you do a Sarah House, the the word and the ripple in the in the pond is huge. You yes. Because uh, obviously it's a sort yeah. of hub of network and. Exactly. Those so people kind of come kind. to you from strange different sources because of that one. A smaller project that's. Um, you know, just maybe a residential one. It's a very small, little local group of friends. Maybe one or two might ring you and say, "We'd be interested." But you know, big project like Babington or Sir House Berlin or um, you know, Groucho Club. Um, there are lots. You know, will will there are a lot of people will come in. Mm. Um, and were they? Did you specifically go out to to find that kind of work, or was it? It just sort of yeah. happened through the networks and the people that you were. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just. I mean, uh, when you start, you'll do anything. Uh, um, and it's, I remember my dad telling me this story. He was an, he's an architect as well, right. based in France. And he was telling me a story about going, an American architect going to the RABA. And some, you know, very you know, precious English architect putting his hand up and saying, so what's the driving force between, uh, behind all your designs? And, you know, what's the most important thing? And he just stood up and said, well, there are three things in architecture. There's get the job. Two, get the job. And three, get the job. <laughs> 
And I, you know, you know, yeah, it's a bit based, but it's actually quite true. You yeah. Know? Uh, and that, that's the very important thing is actually you have to charm the clients into believing in what what you can do and to get the job. And, and, and you know, it's, it's a competitive market and always has been. Um, so and, you're, yeah. and and yeah, it's a, it's an incredibly competitive field, particularly here in in London. Yeah. How have you found that you've been able to separate yourself from from your competitors? What's been the sort of um, I mean, there are quite a lot of guys who are doing, doing stuff that's very similar to us. So there's a group of us who've been doing um, similar things. I've, I think it's time, it's relaxing into what you do, uh, knowing that you can do a really good job. And, um, and going back to the thing about being human. You mm. know, so people meet you and they feel comfortable that, you're, that you, you can, you know, they can talk to you and they're not going to be bamboozled into not understanding what they're going to build and everything, which I think sometimes happens. Uh, so um, it's probably the most important skill, uh, more important than, and as I say, I do honestly think there are lots of people who are, are far more talented than us, but mm. do not know how to communicate or uh, make, you know, to, to other people. And that's, you know, that's probably architecture school's most important thing alongside fees, uh, as well as, you know, the seven years that I've, I don't know, time it, it takes too long, but you know, that, that just designing and doing. Uh, it's a very solitary education. Very, yeah. Uh, and Late night solitary education. Yes, exactly, yeah, kind yeah. of whittling away in, yeah. in a room. And it's, do you think that kind of approach can be quite unhealthy in actually running a practice? And uh, you mean if you're on your own and, and yeah. you're working late nights and solitary and everything? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've very rarely worked totally on my own and much preferred always working uh, with, with people to bounce things off. Um, mm. The architectural philosophy of working late into the night and generally working late on weekends is, I don't think, is really good. And in this office, actually, we've always said people look, the deal here is you work really hard from uh, nine till six or seven. Uh, and you try not to work weekends, uh, and, and generally no one works weekends. Uh, and that's our ethos, you know, because the offices I've worked in in the past, and Tim's worked in the past, you know, where people didn't really do anything all morning because they knew they'd be there until 10 o'clock at night because that's what they expected. So it's just expected that you'll be there for a block of time. The efficiency of work is actually very, very poor. Yeah. And the time, the time yeah. that you can work, you know, we know this now from studies, is actually a certain time. It's not infinite. It's not that you can do these things. And if you don't give people a break at weekends, very unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, and there's a slightly tired, jaded feel to the whole office and the whole, um, you know, sort of everything that goes on in it and the designs as a, re as a result, I think. So so that's something that's, that's quite important in our office that we've said, we're not doing the usual architectural thing. We don't want you here at 10 o'clock. You know, I walk around at 7.30 and say, look, have you finished? Go, go home, go home. You know, and remember my, you know, my last boss, you know, he would just say, you know, you'll stay here until 10 o'clock. I don't care if you're not doing anything. You just stay here until 10 o'clock. And then we, can you work the weekends? Every Friday, can you work sort of the weekends? Sort penance. It was. Can you work, you know, and you just come and say, you're working Saturday and Sunday, aren't you? And you're going away for this weekend. No, you're not. You're working. And, you know, I'll pay your train ticket to stay. And a little bit is them. It's just the sort of this weird architectural, um, I don't know what it is. It's like a sort of uh, DNA footprint that you <laughs> have to work. Uh, you know, late and the long as you don't, and you can compress yeah. it and do a really good job, and then everyone has time off, and and they go and see things as well. You need to go out and see things, yeah, and and bars and clubs and, and yeah. restaurants and 
the world, you know, and uh, weekends, as, go where weekends, you know, go take a flight somewhere, go yeah. check somewhere. And as you out, say, right. that kind of human element is so fundamental mm. to what it is that we do as, mm. as architects. And yeah. being able to communicate and talk and explore and, mm. you know, talk with people from totally different backgrounds yeah, and yeah. cultures from your exactly. own is the sort of, mm. you know, how can you design anything if you're not able to sort of unpick and understand yeah, somebody? Exactly, that's exactly it, yeah. And do, do you find that kind of, this communication aspect of your, of your work, how do you train your staff to kind of be like that? Or, or are, you, are you kind of looking for sort of personalities or? Not really, I mean, I'm, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I've never been someone who actually looks at portfolios. So uh, when we meet people, I'll probably decide whether to take them on based on what they're like um, mm. and whether I feel there's a connection. Um, unless, unless their portfolio is really, really bad, um, yeah. and we've had it a few, but uh, generally it's about it's about that. And then again, in this office, we try and make them, you know, go to site a lot, go to planning meetings, go to client meetings. You know, uh, we probably have we have too many people at certain meetings. Then you know, it's not very cost effective, but it's very important for them to see how we interact, and you see it quite quickly within a short period of time. You know, you're going to meetings and you're not there. And you just walk past a meeting room, and you'll see someone who's been at ten meetings with you, with a client, and beginning to have worked out, you know, how to, how we think, you know, yeah. is, is a good way to you know, interact with clients and, and work with them. So, and it's great, you know, we have a lot of young architects here who clients say, well, it's you know, thank you very much, great sketch scheme from you, but uh, uh, we want to get on with the project now. I'm not going to wait for you to turn up at every meeting. These guys are great, so yeah. which is like fantastic, brilliant. Kind of becomes yeah. a kind of autonomous. Yeah, and for them as well. So, and we get a lot of people leaving, setting up their own practice, which is sad and difficult for us. But actually, it's a great, um, you know, it's a great um, sign. I think that yes. we're training people up to, you know, uh, you know, um, you're producing what, kind of next what I did. And well. I saw what them all to do as well. Not all of them, but most of them. Yeah, <laughs> and and yeah. kind of this communication with people and with clients. Mm. How do you how do you sustain long relationships with clients? Um, I mean, either either you do a project and you sort of stay in touch and friends with them, and they'll ask you every now and again to events. They might do a, a restaurant club or whatever they've done. Um, but generally, they'll come back to you and say if they've got something else to do. And, and you know, on a residential basis, we do a lot of London houses and end up doing country houses, and then sometimes houses abroad as well for the same client. So that's. Um, and restaurants and clubs, you know, for the most time we get, once we've done one, we, we get asked to do more and more. So, and, you know, Sarah House is a huge company. We've had, we've had blips over 20 years with them where we've done two or three projects and then he's gone to try someone else and then he's come back and then, you know, two or three more and then he's tried someone else and come back and everything. So, um, and now it's huge, so it's, it's a different thing anyway. But, you know, you know, Groucho, very good relationship with them, um, you know, and all the, Chain restaurants like Byron and Cabana and Brewdog that we're doing, uh, you know, again, very good uh, relationship with them. So just, I'm not sure what answer the question, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of doing, you know, good mm. work, and mm. it's it's that relationship through a project yeah. and the confidence that that's that's built. Yeah. Um, how would you, if you were to give some advice to sort of architects who were just mm. starting out and they wanted to have the kind of clients mm. that say that you that you have, mm. how would you sort of suggest that they could begin to cultivate those relationships? Um, 
Well, if they're on their own, they can, one, they can take on any small jobs that they want um, and, and do those without having to worry too much about their money. I think it's, it's whenever you go out and, you know, small events or parties, it's just having your ear to the ground. Mm. Someone saying, you know, uh, you know, I've got this friend who's thinking of doing a, you know, pop up something or someone else who's needs a little bit of help with an office. And, you know, sort of, you know, in the early days, it was training your ear and listening in. And then, but not, not, you don't bulldoze your way in and just say, right, I'm your man. You just, you know, sort of, you know, maybe meet them an hour later and just say, oh, I just heard you mentioning that, you know, that might be able to help and, you know, maybe do a quick sketch for you. And it's getting in. So, mm. and sometimes it's worth doing a free sketch or a free little meet up on site. And I mean, we do, I mean we still do those, you know, so uh, to, to then get them excited and they go, great, okay, let's, let's go to the next stage and everything. So, but it's about, be, it's about being quite perceptive and listening to, you know, an ever-growing crowd of people in the world that, yeah. uh, you know, someone who might be suitable is looking for someone who doesn't want a big practice, quite small, little... Um, and again, like you say, kind of listening for, to, to what people are after, yeah. what, they, what they want. And exactly. Kind of That's, coming from that, that yeah. attitude, that mindset first, yeah. as opposed to sort of, here's my services. I want yeah, to. yeah. Here's another, here's another, here's another beautiful piece of architecture I can do without really thinking about what the client wants, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the danger, yeah. And that's the 60s, that's what the 60s architects did a lot, so, you know, beautiful modern houses, you know, but, um, and fact, I love them, but do everyone love them? I'm not sure, you know. Yeah. You know yeah. And so when you, in, in terms of kind of when you're looking ahead for the next mm. sort of 10 years and where you're, where you want to go with the practice, what mm. kind of directions do you want to, kind of work do you want to be doing? And if, you've, if there's a new industry or a new mm. sector that you want to move into, how do you strategize? How do you plan um, away? Well, I mean, it's, it's an interesting question because it's changed. You know, I think you, everyone has to have whatever year plan they call it, uh, a future plan. You know, um, uh, and ours very much involves um, the people who are working for us and the people, you know, the young people coming in to work in the office. Um, it's an ever-changing plan, I think, architecture. I think the architecture world is, um, uh, is we've got such a huge impact. Um, I th I'm, I'm with a few other people, I think, on this, in that, that I think that um, what we do is going to change dramatically. I'm not sure we're going to be doing the drawings for very long, and I'm mm. not sure that we'll be in charge of building projects for very long. And I think that the, the ideas will be where... Um, architects um, are used uh, uh, so that it'll be much more of a sort of what computers can't imagine or you know for something that's and that will happen there'll be a lot of houses designed by computers and people will just press A and they will get the house and B and they will get the car and C they will get the whatever and it'll be you know uh, in a street that's what zone whatever and cost this much and that's it so and, and that will happen um, so I think it's 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 been innovators um, and coming up with something, uh, coming up with things that are new and interesting and always being ahead of the curve. Uh, so um, a great book by someone called um, what is it called Charles Handy, I think it is. He did something a second curve, right. uh, which is worth reading, and it's about how you have to reinvent yourself the whole time, and how you can't sit in your laurels, uh, and how many can, what the average lifespan of a company is. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, so. I think that's that's architecturally, you know, for the for the foreseeable future, um, it will carry on as it is. And you know, our five-year plan is to go into countries like China, uh, New York, Europe, and London, Africa, D 
doing, uh, listening to clients, but doing something that's ex you know, exceptionally and interesting and always, as I say, I don't want anyone to ever die on a bicycle cycling to a job that's not worth doing. Yeah. So there has to be something, there has to be something amazing about that job that so uh, your life has been worth it. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't want anyone to do anything point, you know, too substandard. Um, but it's attention to detail. So I think our philosophy is that we don't really want to do mega buildings. We don't want to do the tallest building in Dubai. We don't want to do the big steel buildings in Shanghai. We don't want to get caught in the, in the traps that I think a few of the iconic architects have, have done two big things. And when you go there, the, the detailing is terrible you mm. know, and it's not going to last. And it's a shame, you know, so look from a distance. Wow, amazing. What a structure. Get up close. It's like, excuse my language, terrible <laughs> detailing. Uh, so for me, it's very important that, um, you know, that, that we stick to a scale that we can detail. Uh, so when it when um, at a human scale and at a human interactive level, it's something that's still amazing. And it's not something that's amazing only from a distance. Um, so our aim is to be um, going forward in the next five year plan is to, to lock into the slightly smaller projects uh, that a lot of um, smaller architects might not get and the bigger architects will not be interested in because they'll be doing the massive steel tower that are needed in every mega city in the world at the moment. But we want to do the, the heritage work and the small new buildings, um, which is much more interesting. Yeah. And, and make sure that we can detail it and make sure that we've got enough time to do them and not get carried away doing buildings that are uh, that we won't be proud of if we walk up to it and we touch it. Yeah. And it's not, not right. So that's the, that's the small term. The long term is that it's, it's more of an innovator's office. And I don't think architects mm. will exist as an entity, it will become something, you know, design, architecture, model making, uh, product design, all of that, we need, you need to cover everything. So yeah. it'll be, become a, a, a universal studio um, of, of, of innovation and design and, and not, we are architects, yeah. interior designers, it's gone. Very 20 years time, finished. Yeah. It, it's quite fascinating actually to, to consider architects as kind of, um, entrepreneurs yeah. and kind of entrepreneurial mm. architects and how we can use this architectural mm. thinking mm. to take it into the world of business mm. and how yeah. you can start using all this, you know, the incredible array of technology that we've got yeah. um, and how we can use it to enhance people's spaces and mm. take that thinking into different, yeah. different industries. It's yeah. yeah, I think, I, I, you know, and I think that's exactly it. I mean, you can do anything now, anything you want. I can do a sketch. And you know, give it to an engineer and something, and they can build it. And say, how big do you want it? You know, want to go ten kilometers up? Fine, we'll engineer it so it can. Might have to go into the earth a bit. Might cost a lot, but we can do that. You know? Yeah, it's a new thing. You know, it's really quite a new thing. You know, so um, and it's quite terrifying. But I think the people, the danger is that a lot of people who are just using the tools just to do things that a computer can do uh, will need to be very careful that that computer doesn't. Uh, you take know, just over. take over yeah. uh, in a very, you know, not, not a nasty way or anything, but, you know, it's just press a button, you know, give me, here's my office plan. Uh, here's press this button and we can show you how to furnish it, light it, heat it, uh, choose your materials. It's already happening, uh, mm. but a lot of people are still, you know, spending time with architects who will then draw it in a slower way. Um, uh, and that's the area that I, the architects, you know, be, be careful. Uh, yeah. Because, uh, yeah. No, kind of, yeah, you need to, Get onto the second curve quickly. Yes, <laughs> and so you're going back to what you were saying about the, you know, uh, maintaining the quality mm. of your work, mm. and you know, being mm. very focused on a particular kind of the heritage mm. work and the smaller types mm. of projects. When do you know 
that a project's not right? At what stage? Have you had any situations where you've had to pull out or you've been like, no, this is not this is not. I don't think work. so, yeah. I mean, the biggest buildings we've done so far, uh, Battersea, and, which is just the, you know, the, um, all the flats for the power station and this big hotel in New York. And we're getting a lot of bigger hotels to do as well. Um, but I think it will, we will know. And we have done a few already that we haven't won when I said, look, if we win this, I'm not sure this is going to be too big for us. You know, this is, uh, and one of them has, I think one of them was in Dubai and one was in um, Abu Dhabi, you know, really massive projects that we bid for. And I was like, you know, um, we lost it because our fees were very high and our time scale was very long because we said we don't want to do this if, uh, you know, unless you give us the time and the resources to do it really properly and detail everything. And I think other people were going in and just going, just, you know, just copy, copy and paste the detail over the whole building. Mm. And we'll, you know, same apartments and um, yeah. So th and I, I think that's really important that there is there there is um, uh, what's the word? There is um, this, the, you don't do something that's too uniform. Too many projects now are too uniform and too you know everything is the same for uh, for everyone in each and to give variety of, of finish and design and interior and visual. Uh, you know, visual sensation to people is really important, yeah. uh, and more and more important as, as the population sort of begins to explode into numbers that none of us can quite fathom. You know, so, yeah, uh, yeah. So the answer to the very short answer is we—I don't think we've had one yet, and it'd be interesting to see when someone offers something very big and we do win it, whether uh, that's something that we want to do. Yeah. It was interesting there you were talking about um, about your about your fees and how mm. you you know you set your fees and perhaps mm. that's not you know to mm. a, how how do you negotiate that kind of com those kind of conversations nowadays? Mm. Do you ever get do, do you ever get people trying to drive because obviously that's mm. a yeah. issue that all architects face is mm. kind of people wanting yeah. to drive down the fees and particularly in the residential market, yeah. particularly you know on smaller smaller projects, it's yeah. it's difficult for a client to understand at first. What yeah. is you know this is, it's a big it's a big investment. Yeah, I mean we work it out really quite carefully now. So we work out you know actual people who are going to be involved, the resource, the time they're going to be they're going to be spending on it. So it's it's worked out really carefully. Um, it's 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 very realistic. So I think what what quite often happens now is we don't win everything, and we don't mind. What I don't want to do is we we don't want to win things and not have enough money to do it properly. Yeah. So yeah, the perception is we're more expensive than everyone else. We're not actually, um, and very often we're in the middle. Or and I don't know how that perception has happened. I think it's sort of one of those rumours that goes around. So in the residential market, anyway. Um, so, do you think that has a has a benefit in a lot of ways? Um, I think it goes both ways. I mean, because so, sometimes you get really, really nice clients who will come to you and go, you know, what what weirdly what's happening? People who've left us are actually charging higher fees than than we are, and they think they can't come to us because we'd be even higher. And we say they say, well, they're charging. 15%, we say, well, we'll charge 12%, you know, so, uh, for that, you know, so, um, so it's a completely misslanted thing. So yeah. most of the time, probably quite a good thing. Um, but sometimes it's like, that's not right. And we don't want to be, we're not, there's no reason why we should charge more and we, and we don't. So, um, but what does happen is people undercut us on bigger jobs, but then we know, and, it does, and we have been told that at the end, the fee's the same, it's taken longer, it's been a pain because everyone's been asking the client for more money because they didn't put enough in at the, at the front and, and we've said to them, you know, the fee has ended up 
what we said it would be, and we would have been faster because he wouldn't have had all the negotiations to do. So, you know, and he said, yeah, next time I'll trust you. You know, and, and yeah, architectural fees, you know, ten percent of the building fee, it's not very much. You know, to pay a bit more to yeah. get the right person. Uh, so uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. and it's the kind of it's the being the, the, the sort of long-term investment mm. that an architect yeah. brings to yeah, exactly. a yeah. project. And mm. how have you found communicating that to clients sometimes? Because again, this is, this is something that when we come out of university, we're mm. very idealistic and mm. I guess architecture is wonderful. Mm. But it's, again, goes back to that kind of how you communicate yeah. to people and you know, responding to what they need and actually mm. being able to say, look, here, actually, this is an architect brings a, a lifelong mm. investment to any building. Yeah. And how have you found yeah, yeah. kind of communicating that story to people? Um, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'm not sure we've um, you know, never really thought of it as lifelong. Uh, you know, some of these things, the, the lifespan is actually shorter mm. for most projects. You know, restaurants, it's probably five to ten years, and houses, it's probably 20 years. So it's a 20 year investment in, in things. Um, I think it's, all, it, all it really is, is is communicating to them that you can listen to them, you can very simply make the whole uh, thing work and uh, that you want it to be theirs as well. Uh, and those are the three most important things. So it's, um, you know, we, we're human, we can listen to you, uh, we can make it work in a very simple way, the, the, the brief that you're giving us. And we want we want you to, we don't want you to sit back and just let us do it, we want you to really get your hands dirty and, and on, on the last layering so it becomes something that is your, you know, reflects your history, your life force, the way you live and the things you love. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's the important things. Excellent. Great. Yeah. That's quite a nice, nice point to, to leave it. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Super. Thank you yeah, so much, good. Alex. No worries. Pleasure. And that's a wrap for another show about the business of architecture. If you enjoyed today's show, please go to iTunes and leave a review. There are two reasons to do this. First of all, it encourages me to continue making free content like this for you to run an awesome practice. And secondly, it helps others to find this content inside of iTunes so that they can benefit as well. Remember to get free resources for running an architecture business that is both fun, flexible, and profitable. Visit businessofarchitecture.com and click the Join Today button to unlock your free account to Business of Architecture Insider. As a member, you'll have access to free tools and resources to help you get more clients, boost profitability, start a firm, and much more. This has been The Business of Architecture. views expressed on the show by my guests do not represent those of the host and I make no representation, promise, guarantee, pledge, warranty, contract, bond, or commitment except to help you conquer the world. Bump music credit to Ben Folds 5, Do It Anyway.